amazing how many reasons people come up with for avoiding Christ and avoiding God's best, thinking the alternative isn't really that bad. Well, from God's Word, we'll take a look at that alternative and why it's so deadly. Join us, Truth For Today, with Pastor Phil Howard, coming up next. People say no to Christ all day long, every day. But what they don't realize is the alternative they're settling for. God's Word will take a look at that alternative. Hi, welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Think you're getting a better deal by avoiding Christ and saying no? Well, as Monty Hall used to say, you get what's behind the curtain, more often than not, was a raw deal. And it's even worse from God's Word. The alternative to God's best. Up next, here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's program. Is it not amazing how good sin can look to a teenager? Teenagers, don't be deceived. After you graduate from high school, you're not going to see any of those punks anymore. You won't even want to go back to the class reunion. And you're going to sing the country song when you see some of those girls thank God for unanswered prayer. Thank God I didn't marry her. And she's singing the same thing, honey. Don't worry. Ball-headed, big gut, and, and overweight. Said, good night. I thought he was cute at one time. They're desperate. All the peer pressure to throw Jesus out. I can't be living for God in school. That's not the cool thing. No, going to hell is the cool thing. Being cool gets you into more heat than you can imagine. But they trample underfoot the Son of God. And this hurts the heart of God. And they profane the blood of the covenant. And that word profaned is they treated, uh, it was a word koinos that meant just common, just it's just common. Sometimes it was used to be unholy. Uh, here profane. The ideas of no significance, of no divine significance. The blood of Christ, which we found out the blood of Christ is shorthand for the cross work of Christ to pay for our sins. We're not talking about blood plasma. We're talking about a violent death under the wrath of God in the place of the sinner. That's a joke. That's barbaric. It's a pagan concept. Take the blood out of the course. We, we have people come to our church that came from other churches. They ripped out all the blood songs in the hymn book. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but good works. Nothing but keeping the Sermon on the Mount. Nothing but being a nice boy, nice girl. Be nice as you want. You'll go to hell. Only the blood of Christ saves. Only the blood. That's what the book says. His blood has put away our sins. You reject that and you don't want that. There's no payment for your sins. That's the only way we go to heaven. We don't go to heaven because we keep the law. We are living perfect lives. None of you live in perfect lives. And it's so wonderful, a wonderful relief when you finally say that, even as a preacher, I am here by the grace of God. 
I ain't the most perfect thing here, but God loves me anyway, and the cross paid for my sins anyway. I'm trusting Christ. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's who I'm trusting. But he said, you treat it as trash. It's just no more of effect than the animal blood that you've been killing for years. Ah, he's just a criminal that got killed. He's a child of fornication. He is not the son of God. I don't want it. I've heard your message. I've heard all the arguments. I don't want it. It's a deliberate choice. I'm not deceived. I've heard your presentation. I don't want him. Third thing they've done is they have turned away and treated with contempt the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that came to give you grace. He's the messenger of Jesus, as it were. Go tell them that I died for them. Go tell them and that I'm going to have the Spirit apply the benefits from the Son's death for your sins. All you've got to do is yield to the Spirit's wooing, convicting, and you will receive eternal life. And what do they do? Instead of welcoming him, they spurn and treat him with contempt. Wait, don't waste your efforts on me. Don't be wooing me anymore. I hear David say after his great sin with Bathsheba, he said, take not your spirit from me. These people are saying, get away from me. Don't bother my conscience anymore. Serious sin, sin going on here. And it's wounding to the heart of God. A gift, a gift is a reflection of the giver. A gift is a reflection. Now the Father, look at him. Matthew 21. He tells the story of the tenants. That a landowner leased out his land to let these uh, home folks rent it out, grow their crops. He's leasing out the land to them. At the end of the year, it's time to collect the rent. Often it would be in produce or something like that. But the rent is due on the land. And he sends his servants. And the first group he sends, they beat them up. And send them back. And they come back bleeding and beat up. And tell the owner, hey, they're not going to pay the rent. They're not interested. And this is how they treated us. So he sends another dispatch of servants. They go back and this time they kill some of them. Enough survive that they get the story back to the owner. And the owner thinks, they just don't understand. They don't understand the terms for the lease. I know what. I'll send them the heir. I'll send my son. They wouldn't dare mistreat him. He's the heir to all this land. And they beat him to death. And stoned him inside the land. And the word goes back to the owner. And he takes his servants and he goes and kills those servants. Kills those people leasing the land. It says in Matthew 21, the Pharisees knew he was talking about them. And they plotted to kill him. They knew the point of his illustration. 
Now imagine man saying to God, God, is Jesus the best you can do? Is that the best you can do? He's not appealing to me. <laughs> I don't see any beauty in him. You see, just the Bible, you'll never get saved with just the Bible. Read it all you want. Read it all you want. It won't save you. Unless the Spirit of the living God does a work on your heart, you'll never see how wonderful Jesus is. Oh, you, you talk to people all day. You'll say, well, well I'm trusting Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. Well, how, how endearing. Has he ever become lovely? Have you ever seen the glory of God in him? He says, 2 Corinthians, when the veil's rent, we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. He starts becoming wonderful. And you remember what he said to an old fisherman boy in Matthew 16? Simon Barjona, blessed art thou, for flesh and blood didn't show you who I am, but my Father in heaven. You know what's wrong with some of you? You've never seen him for his beauty. I doubt that you know him. If you knew him, you could adore him. A lot of folks in church hoping to get enough fire insurance to miss hell. What a lousy reason after all the years to know him, to serve him, and to give you life. You mean he's not become lovely to you yet? It's always risky to date a girl when I was a teenager. Couldn't afford too many of them. But I didn't want to look tacky buying gifts. So I always took my sister with me. I wanted to buy the right gift because I wanted to look good. When you're 16, well, how does a 16-year-old boy know how to buy a gift for a girl and look good? You know, buy her some Old Spice. You know, need a little class. So I take my sis. Now, help me pick something so this chick thinks I know what I'm doing. Because I don't have any money anyway. And I think of mankind saying back to God, you know, God, if this is the best you can do, I don't want it. And this is exactly what unbelief says. I don't want, if this is the best you can come up with. And I imagine these Jewish audience listening. Come on, we've had Moses, we've had the law, we've had this, we've had, is this, is this the replacement? This is the replacement. I don't want it. If you don't want God's best, the only thing left is his worst. You see, the wonderful thing about the cross is when we were at our worst, God did his best. <laughs> when I was a sinner, Christ died. He didn't die for me when I became a preacher. God had mercy. He died for me when he saw me as a sinner. He, he only dies for sinners. If you're anything other than that, too bad you can't go to heaven. If, if you're Mr. Righteous, too bad. See you later, man. Us sinners are going to heaven. Right. We've trusted a payment. You self-righteous folks, too bad. You're not going. We're using an ABC around here. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And confess that he's your Savior. And in that confession, get baptized to tell the world, I'm not ashamed that I know him. Have you ever admitted you're a sinner? You could even do that in church, believe it or not. If you want to go to the bar and have to do it, okay. Admit it somewhere. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess him publicly that you know him. 
And listen to what he says now. If you don't want this Christ, the only alternative is, we know him who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Judgment and vengeance is a divine prerogative that he doesn't give to his people. He tells us in Romans 12, don't take vengeance on people. Vengeance is God's work. God does it when he wants, how he wants. It's a divine prerogative. But he said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You see, he's quoting from Deuteronomy 32. And he's, uh, many of the, uh, even the children of Israel in the wilderness march had fallen into demon worship. They were already bowing down to other gods. I mean, when they worshiped the golden calf. And so he writes in Deuteronomy 32, you tell these demon worshipers, you tell these people bowing to other gods that I'm going to judge them. I called you out from the nations, Israel, to be a peculiar people serving one God, a monotheistic people. I will not stand for any rivals. I'm a jealous God. I make no apology. I will not share you with demons. Matter of fact, you will fall in my hands for judgment. Now you see, I'm in God's hands, but the hands I'm in are for protection because the sheep are in his hands and he's protecting me. But I'm not in his hands for judgment. But if you tell God your son's not good enough, God says, well, I'll have to judge you. I'll have to do the worst thing that could ever happen to you. It's amazing to me that unsaved Christ rejectors, that the only thing keeping them from going to hell is the merciful hand of God. Listen to Edwards. There is nothing between you and hell but the air. It is only the power and the mere pleasure of God that holds you up. For at any moment he can let go and you'd go to hell. Why does God owe wicked people another day? You probably are not sensible of this. You find you are kept out of hell, but you do not see it's the hand of God doing it. You look on other things, good state of your body, you still have your faculties, you still have your mind, and you say to yourself, I'm smart, I'm preserving myself. Your wickedness makes you as heavy as lead. And you tend downward, and the weight of it is going to fall, as it were, on a spider's cobweb. And the web cannot hold and withstand the lead. And if God should let you go, you would immediately sink and swiftly descend and plunge into the bottomless gulf. And your healthy constitution, your care, your prudence, your best contrivance, and all your righteousness would no more influence God to uphold you and to keep you out of hell than a spider's web. Unconverted men walk over the pit of hell as on a rotten thatched roof, and their foot can plunge through any moment. For there are innumerable places in this roof where you may plunge to your eternal death. It is only the mercies of God that he's still dealing with you. If you don't want my son, you voted for my wrath. He said in Psalm 73, 
I began to look around and the wicked had good health. The wicked were having good jobs. The wicked were prospering. Everything was going good for the wicked. And I began to envy them. Why can't I have what the wicked have? Good night. They got enough money to buy enough cocaine Friday night to party all weekend and still make it to work on Monday. They boogie all weekend. They sleep with whoever they want. They drink whatever they want. And they're still driving a nice car and got all these beautiful women. Hey, I kind of envy what these boys are doing because it's not going too good over here for us. We're not making very much money. Our marriage is a little uh, tacky right now. Some of our kids are breaking our heart. And you know, when I thought becoming a Christian, everything would be rosy. And these Hebrews would say, as soon as we follow Messiah, we were kicked out of our family. We can't go to synagogue. We're suffering. It used to be better in the olden days. And Asaph said, I envied the prosperity of the wicked until God showed me their end. And then God had set their feet in slippery places that they were going to slip any moment and plunge into hell and let the rich man have all of his riches for low many years, 90 years, 100 years to still lose one's soul. What a fool to have been. I think back when my family lived in Harbor Gate in government housing. I've told people, they said, how did you grow up? I grew up there in those projects with my family. They said, what did you have? I said, a poor man's diet. How many square feet in that house? 500 square feet for seven of us. One bathroom, no shower. A mom and dad and God. Even on our worst days, there was a sense God had done something in my mom and dad's heart. And in time, all their kids wanted to know their God. Give all your kids and grandchildren all the toys, all the stuff. What they need is the best thing God has to offer you is his son. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Christ? Lee Strobel wrote a book, The Case for Faith. Lee Strobel used to work with Bill Hybels and was a uh, news reporter, a brilliant writer, very enjoyable. And in his book, a book on apologetics, he tells the story of interviewing a man by the name of Charles Templeton. Charles Templeton uh, was a contemporary with Billy Graham in the 40s and preached Youth for Christ meetings. There was another preacher whose name I forget right now. But the three of them preached, and Templeton was clearly the intellectual, and uh, by far the better preacher out of all the, of them. And uh, he and Billy Graham preached a lot together in the 40s, but Templeton was the star, uh, was an outstanding preacher. Early in the 50s, I believe it was a Time magazine picture, Templeton saw a, a little girl half-naked on the cover of Life magazine. Dust and blood on her face, maybe the Korean conflict. She was caught in between in the ravages of war. And you had this pitiful picture of her on the cover of Life magazine with those tears. 
reminds me of the Vietnam era. We had pictures like that on magazines and break your heart. And Templeton, out of nowhere, saw that picture and he said, there cannot be a kind, loving God in the universe to permit this. The ancient argument for atheism, if God is good, how can he permit evil? And seeing that picture and wrestling, he abandoned his faith. And he began to write against it. And Lee Strobel wanted to interview him because Strobel had been an atheist and had been converted. He wanted to go talk to a guy that had claimed to be converted that had become an atheist. Now Charles is 80 years old. He's coming down with Alzheimer's. And Lee goes to see him in Canada for this interview. And they're talking, and uh, what do you think about, what do you think of Billy Graham? He's one of the finest men I ever knew, but he's just naive and stupid to still believe Christianity. What do you think about this one and that one? And he's denouncing the faith, denouncing the faith. And towards the end of the interview, uh, Strobel asks him, says, let me ask you this, Charles. What do you think of Jesus Christ? Strobel Listen to him. Charles said this. He's the most, and he stopped and started again. In my view, he is the most human being who's ever, the most important human being who has ever lived. He is full of grace and mercy like no other man I've read about in history. Though he was naive to teach some of the things he taught. This is this is what Charles Templeton is saying. I don't agree with all that he taught, but he himself was the most magnificent man that's ever come into history. After he uttered those words, Strobel said, I didn't expect to hear from him anymore. It had been a long interview. The Alzheimer's was having its effects. But he said, that's when Templeton uttered the words I never expected to hear from him. And Templeton said, and if I may put it this way, and he began to cry, I terribly miss him. I miss him. For you see, I have no Savior. I have no blood to flee to. Everything in front of me is chances that I will face God for myself. But as he wept, I do miss knowing him. And has died since then and probably went to hell. Do you want him? I think of you young people, you're making choices. Many of you have to come to church because your mom and dad get in, you're living at home, you've got to go to church. I had a teacher just tell me recently, teaching at a Christian school, he said he's in the junior high department, 70% of the kids don't want to be there. They're only there because mom and dad are paying tuition to keep them out of hoodlum schools, but they still don't want to be there and they're lost. Let me say this, that there's an alternative to God's best. It's his worse. It's hell. It's judgment. It's what the church doesn't want to talk about today because we've been tamed by the culture. and We're scared to death to tell people God's in charge and he will have the final word. But he will. But he will. I would say flee the wrath to come. Flee to the Lamb of God. He's your only escape, and God has done his best in Jesus. 
If you don't think that's enough, he has nothing else on the menu but judgment. And that brings us to the end of our time today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Closing out our program, I'd like to leave you with our contact information, especially in light of the fact that this is a listener-supported ministry. And as you contact us, not only with prayer support, but financial support as well, we're able to continue the ministry, not just on Sundays, but Monday through Friday as well here on KFAX. Please prayerfully consider that as you contact us today with your gift, 855-833-9864 is our phone number. Again, that's 855-833-9864. Or write to us at 1511M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And another way to contact us, probably the easiest, is through our website, valleybible.org. It's there that you can even take advantage of our secure online donations. You can also take advantage of the many resource materials we have available for your growth and walk in Christ. Again, valleybible.org. It's there that we also have a bit more information about who we are and what we believe and directions if you would like to join us for worship. Service times are at 9 and 11 this morning, and we'd love to see you face-to-face. And don't forget, as you partner with us financially and become a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a -a once-a-year special gift, along with access to Take a Break, which is the weekly devotional video by Pastor Phil. Find out more at valleybible.org or call 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.